Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord, our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. The word of God that we consider now is the gospel reading for this past weekend, recorded in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 18, verses 15 through 20. There it is written, if your brother or sister sins, go and point out their fault just between the two of you, and if they listen to you, you have won them over. But if they will not listen, take one or two others along, so that every matter may be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. If they still refuse to listen, tell it to the church, and if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. Truly, I tell you, whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. Again, truly, I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven, for where two or three gather in my name, there am I with them. This is the gospel of our Lord Jesus. What are those things that for you as a Christian are more challenging or most challenging? Maybe you think to yourself and you think, well, you know, fighting my sinful nature and, and, and trying to deny those things that my sinful nature likes to do is really challenging. Perhaps you, you think to yourself that uh, maybe it's a matter of uh, believing in a God that you don't see and in a heaven that you can't see. For some, perhaps it's dealing with persecution and ridicule that they may encounter in their lives. For others, it may be struggling in certain areas of Christian faith, whether it's being a, a, a generous giver or whether it's being active in ministry using some gift or gifts that the Holy Spirit has given you, or maybe it's sharing the gospel with others. I think we could all point to things that we find very challenging in our lives as Christians because of our Christian faith in our Savior Jesus. But isn't it true that probably right up there at the top of that list for most of us is the very thing that Jesus is talking about that is lovingly confronting or reaching out to a brother or sister who has fallen into some pattern of sin, some persistent sin from which they do not repent. And by repent, I'm, I mean come to the awareness of the fact that this, this attitude or action or, or manner of speech is sinful and, and they're, they're sorry for it and they acknowledge it to the Lord and they turn to Jesus Christ as their Savior. And when I, I talk about these sins, I'm talking about sins that uh, are not just things that you're trying to judge a person by looking into their heart, but it's just obvious as you see their lives that they're caught up in, in a sin. It's open, it's obvious. It's a violation of one of God's commandments. It's clear. And Jesus, in love, calls on us to help the fallen brother or sister. But at the same time, he's aware of the fact, just as you and I are aware of the fact, that sometimes this love is not easy. And why is that? Well, maybe we could begin with the answer, because in the culture and in the day and age in which we live, we are bombarded with so many things 
Isn't it true that after a while we can become jaded towards certain things because we just see them on TV, we read them in, in print, we, we see examples of it after a while and you just say, oh well, you know, what's the use? Everybody's doing it, okay? But sometimes isn't it a matter of where we just tell ourselves, you know, I don't want to get involved in that because that could get kind of messy, that could get kind of hard. Maybe we don't feel like we're adequate to deal with something like that. Perhaps for some of us it's a matter of where at times we feel uh, it's none of my business or, or who am I to, to go and to talk to somebody else about their sin because I myself am sinful. And sometimes doesn't it come down to a matter of wanting to keep peace within our family or within the circle of friends? And so as a result, you know, we don't want to make waves, we don't want to, to fracture a relationship, and, you know, sometimes it's even a matter of, you know, are we going to be able to see the grandkids if we say something to our son or daughter uh, who may be living in some persistent sin? And so as a result, you know, people may find themselves caught in sin. It may be a matter of where they're, they're involved in, in some serious gossip and gouging of the reputation of others and nobody says anything. People can uh, be involved in... Um, for example, substance abuse, uh, whether it's using and also selling and so on, and nobody does anything. People can be violating the Sixth Commandment and living together as husband and wife and they're not married and being sexually intimate and nobody says anything. People can be caught up in some anti-Christian philosophy or movement that leads them away from Jesus Christ as their Savior and into all kinds of other things that are ungodly and nobody does anything. Nobody warns them. People can be caught up in abuse of their family members or, or other people in their life and nobody does anything. And it's the result of where maybe we just don't want to get involved, it's none of our business, and so on. But Think of what's at stake. We're talking about relationship with God versus no relationship with God. You have to remember that when there is sin that is persistent and unrepented in the lives of people, that can kill faith. That can choke off the flow of the forgiveness of sins that, that comes from the gospel of Jesus Christ and comes to us personally through faith in Christ. And then what happens is people can find themselves uh, with the, the Roman people to whom the Apostle Paul wrote in Romans chapter 2, verse 5, where the Apostle Paul warns that he says, But because of your stubbornness and your unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So we're talking really here eternal destiny, heaven and hell. We're talking about people forfeiting the forgiveness of sins and eternal glory. But what's more, we're also talking about their forfeiting blessings that God wants us as his Christians to have. Peace, power for living, purpose in living, joy and hope and confidence. And when people are living in impenitence and finally their faith is getting choked out, they cannot enjoy these things. And so our Lord Jesus is challenging us in this, this section of God's Word with that thought that sometimes love is not easy. But, but when we find ourselves struggling with this, we need to ask ourselves, what's more important? 
Is it our trying to avoid taking some flack from somebody because we have lovingly reached out to them, or, or they're suffering eternal torment because they have not repented? What, what's, really, what's really more important here? Is it, is it a matter of uh, our having peace with people in our lives that we don't want to uh, mess with at all versus people having peace with God for time and for eternity? What's more important? Uh, are having a place in, in maybe a circle of friends or, or, or family or their being in the family of God. And I think you know. And so Jesus points out the motive for reaching out and he says it's love. He talks in verse 15 about, you know, if you go to somebody and you approach them and you, you, they listen to you, you have won them over. In other words, you have done what is loving and you have reconnected them with the love of Jesus Christ. And that is the motive for this. Not to put them on a guilt trip. Not to make yourself look better than them or whatever. And so Jesus in love encourages us then, as he has loved us and reached out to us, in love to reach out to others. And this takes a process, a patient process. And that process begins, as Jesus points out, in Matthew chapter 7 in the Sermon on the Mount, with our taking a look at ourselves. There's that place where Jesus is talking to his followers, and he calls them hypocrites. And, and he does so because he says, why do you try to take the speck of dust, or sawdust, out of your brother's eye, or another person's eye, when you yourself have a plank or a beam in your own eye? He says, first of all, remove the, the, the beam or the plank from your own eye. In other words, take a look at yourself and your own relationship with your God, your own behavior under the law of God, and see where you yourself are falling down and where you need to repent. And this is the first thing that, because it's only then that we are going to have that spirit of humility and that evangelical spirit where we're doing this because of love and we want people to know the love of Christ. So first of all, we look at ourselves and where we see sin, we turn to our Lord, we confess it, we turn from it, we grab hold of Jesus for the forgiveness of sins, and then we pray. We pray that the Holy Spirit would help us uh, to, to bring forth the fruits of repentance and to live a, a godly life. But then we also pray that the Holy Spirit would, would bless us as we um, prepare to go and, and talk to a fallen brother or sister. We ask the Holy Spirit to give us guidance and direction. We pray that the Holy Spirit would give us clarity when it comes to, to, to sharing God's law with people, the seriousness of sin and the consequences of not repenting, but at the same time, the comfort of the gospel that there is forgiveness of sins in Jesus Christ who lived, died, and rose again for us all. And that we pray for humility, we pray for courage, that we can, can lovingly but boldly speak those words that we need to speak, and we pray for the person or the persons that, that we are going to, to approach, that God would touch their hearts and bless their lives with repentance and with his peace. And then we have to reach out to them. And that may involve calling them on the telephone and saying something to the effect, um, you know, I, I'm wondering if I could get together with you. You know, I'm assuming that uh, 
you know, uh, we know them and they know us and so on. I have something uh, important that I'd like to talk to you and see if you can set up a, a, a meeting, maybe at a place that's, that's quiet and it's private and so on. Because Jesus says you want to keep this just between the two of you. What, what you have seen and what is obvious and open to you may not be open and obvious to others. So Jesus doesn't want us to run around blabbing all about this and maybe ruining a person's reputation. But rather to preserve that reputation, especially if that person repents of his or her sin. And it's also, it's better for the family of God if we're not stirring up all kinds of turmoil uh, because of unnecessary gossip. And so Jesus says, find that place that you can talk. Maybe you find yourself in a, a setting where you can say to the person, you know, I've got something important I want to talk to you about. You've got just a few minutes and you can talk there. Uh, sometimes, though, we find ourselves in a situation where we just can't get together face to face with the person. Then maybe the appropriate thing is to write a letter or, or, or to send a message in some written way where you can write it, you can reconsider it, you can pray about it before you send it off. Sometimes with some people, both on the giving and the receiving end, that's the best way anyway. But then when we get together, our message is basically this. The reason that I want to get together with you is I just wanted to, to assure you God loves you and I love you or I care about you too. And, and it's in view of this that I need to talk to you about a concern I have. It appears, and I, and I want you to correct me if I'm wrong, but it appears that you're caught up in whatever it is whether it's the violation of the Eighth Commandment, the gossip, whether it's the Ninth Commandment, it's some kind of worldliness that uh, revolves around money and materials, whether it's the Sixth Commandment that deals with a, a matter of, of intimacy and marriage or, or the lack of marriage, or the Fifth Commandment, you know, a brother or sister is caught up in hate and is saying, you know, I hate so-and-so and I want to get revenge. We need to point out what's wrong. And the fact that this is dangerous and deadly if we consider, or if we continue down this road, this path of life. And then there needs to be that call to repentance. You know, God is calling to you to see this sin, because that's what it is. And I want you to understand that I don't think I'm any better than you are, because I have my own sins, I have my own things that I need to turn to God. But God is calling to you to, to turn to Him, to acknowledge your sin, turn from it and to trust in Jesus. And I, I pray that you'll think about this and I'm going to pray for you. And you know, I don't think we need to think that things are going to happen immediately. Certainly the Holy Spirit can work just like that in a nanosecond. But sometimes the Holy Spirit decides to let people marinate for a while because, because he wants to, 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 to work things and to help them to come to the realization of the seriousness of some things and the importance of other things and so sometimes it may take time. And sometimes we may find ourselves uh, wanting to go back and talk to the person again because we feel that they, they need to have encouragement and maybe uh, they need to hear that message again. And they're open to it. So we do that. And we keep praying until finally, in a sense, they close the door. You know, I've had a few people who have told me at a certain point, Pastor, you know where you can go? And they weren't talking about home, okay? And so then you know that probably it's time to go to the next step. But if on the other hand, all of a sudden they say, you know, I'm, I'm so thankful that you came and talked to me. And I've had people who have done that too. They've said that to me. 
And I want you to know that I see my sin and I've talked to God and I've confessed it and I do believe in Jesus. And then that's the opportunity that we have to tell them, you know, God does forgive you and you are at peace with God. We, we announce that gospel, that loosing of sin that comes through Jesus. But Jesus says, if they don't listen to you, then take one or two others along so that every matter may be established in the testimony of two or three witnesses. And so there, there is good, there's good wisdom in this. Jesus talks about, well, if you have your two or three there, uh, they can witness as to whether the person has repented or whether they continue to persist in their sinful ways. But on the other hand, uh, the presence of two or more can emphasize the fact that love for this person is persistent and faithful and it does not give up, just as God's love is persistent and faithful and does not give up. And at the same time, it also adds some weight to the seriousness uh, of what this person is caught up in if they are not repenting. And so we come to that point again then, where we share the message, the two or three share the message, they, they commit to pray for the person, and, and then they wait for the Holy Spirit to do his work. They may find that it, it's important to go back, maybe another time, and another time after that, but finally when it becomes obvious, this person is not, not moving off this position where they're persisting in sin, then it's time to move on to the next step. But if they do repent, then we want to pronounce that gospel promise and praise the Lord for his gracious work in their lives. But Jesus says, if they refuse to listen, tell it to the church. And if they refuse to listen even to the church, treat them as you would a pagan or a tax collector. And so Jesus is saying, you know, if you're a group of two or three, and it could be you and a minister, it could be you and an elder, it could be you and another Christian who knows the person and whom that person that you want to approach respects. But when, when you realize that they're not moving off that position, then you go and you tell maybe the ministry staff first or the board of elders, and they may go and talk to the church council about the situation. And they pray about it, and they talk about how in love are we going to approach this person again. And maybe there's another plea that goes out. It could be a letter, but it could be a phone call, a visit, or whatever. And finally, if the person just persists, then Jesus says, you take it to the church. However your church is, is set up to deal with these things in our congregation, it's our voters' assembly. And Jesus says, even if they won't listen to the church, and I've been in circumstances like this where in a voters meeting the voters decided let's reach out to the person one more time and again if they repent we rejoice we declare the forgiveness of sins to them but if they don't then Jesus says you treat them as you would a pagan and a tax collector now you know that Jesus reached out to tax collectors he called Matthew he went to eat at the homes of tax collectors he, he engaged sinners because he wanted to lead them to repentance so Jesus is not talking about his attitude, but the attitude of the Jews in his day, that when they looked at pagans and when they looked at tax collectors, these were two groups of people that they just said, they're outside the family of God, they're outside the kingdom of God, they're on their way to hell. In 1 Corinthians 5, when Paul talks about this, in a situation that the Corinthians needed to deal with, he said, hand this person over to the devil. In other words, you tell that person, you're in fellowship with the devil now, and your eternal destiny is hell. 
And the goal, again, is not to, to, to just speak condemnation, but to show love in hopes that the person eventually realizes the seriousness of what's going on. And Jesus says that when you follow my directive and you carry out my will when it comes to this matter of reaching out to a fallen brother or sister, what you declare on earth, whether you know, you're outside the kingdom of God, excommunication sometimes it's called, or whether uh, you're repentant, you're inside the kingdom of God, Jesus says what you declare is what we declare in heaven. And that's, that's pretty serious, isn't it? God's agreeing with us that, and, and when this weighs on a person's heart, I've seen, I've seen it happen that it, it maybe take two months or two years. Uh, I, I think in one case, it was probably 15 years. And finally the man said, you know, I don't like this thinking about, I'm getting older and I'm getting near death. And you know, I, I realized that I was sinning when I did this and so on and so forth, and the church declared me outside of the family of God, and I repent. And that's the goal that the, the Lord has in mind when he tells us in the church to carry out this process. It's a matter of love. It's to win people over, to gain them back, to show love. But it still isn't easy, is it? If you ask me what's one of the most difficult things you deal with in your ministry, I'd say it's this very thing. It's going and talking to fellow Christians who are caught up in some sin. Because I know I'm really no better than they are. And, and um, I don't want to go and, and confront people about these things, but the Lord Jesus says it's the loving thing to do. And knowing that sometimes love is not easy, Jesus gives us a couple assurances here. He says, truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. So Jesus is saying to us, you know, when you, my people, carry out my will, and even you do this, this very hard-to-do service of reaching out to a fallen brother or sister, and you're doing it in my name and to my glory and according to my will, I want you to know that you can go to our Father in heaven and you can ask for his help. You can ask for anything in connection with this and he will give it to you. He'll help you. He'll bless you. He'll be with you. And what's more than Jesus in verse 20 says, for where two or three gather in my name there, I am with them. Now, Jesus is with each of us, isn't he, every day whether we're doing ditches in the kitchen by ourselves, whether you're sitting on a combine or a tractor out in the farm by yourself, whether you're driving your car or your truck down the road, whether you're alone in your bedroom, Jesus is there with, with you. It's like David said in Psalm 39, where can I go and you are not there? The Lord is with us as individuals, but now he assures us, again, when you come together, two or three gather in my name, or if it's 20 or 30 or 200 or 300, gathered in his name, whether it's to worship, whether it's to, to serve in some way, whether it's to reach out to a fallen brother or sister, Jesus says, I'm with you to bless you, to help you. You're not alone. Now, this would be a good point just to say amen, and probably some of you are saying this is a good point to say amen, but I think that there's some of us who could go home feeling a sense of guilt because... Have there been times where you've turned your back when you should have looked a person in the eye and said something? I think we can all say, you know, guilty is charged. Our Lord doesn't want us to go home guilty. 
He wants us to remember that he did not turn his back on us and our sin when we needed him most to be our Savior. But the Son of God in his love came to earth and humbled himself, took on human nature, became the lowly servant, lived under the law over which he is the Lord with the Father and the Holy Spirit, and kept that law to perfection for you and for me, and wrote everything in the book of life that should be there for us, and wiped everything out of the book of life that God doesn't want to see in terms of sin, as Jesus died on the cross and paid for our sins and brought us the full and free forgiveness of sins. And now you and I enjoy that peace of God that God wants everybody to have. We enjoy victory in Jesus. We are sons and daughters of God through faith in Jesus. We're heirs of eternal life. And therefore, don't go home guilty. But also, don't forget the responsibility that the Lord gives to us to help a fallen brother or sister. He knows that sometimes love is not easy, but remember, he promises that when we come to him in prayer and ask for his help in this matter, our Father in heaven will give it. And he assures us that when we're carrying out this, this act of love and reaching out to others, he will be with us. So with this in mind, love one another. And the peace of God that passes understanding will keep your hearts and your minds through faith in Jesus to life everlasting. Amen.